In today's episode, fantasy and non-fiction writing team Autumn Burt and Jesper Smith discuss their unique journeys and why they decided to team up for the long haul. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Autumn Burt and Jesper Schmidt, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And so I get the sense that you're both um, authors of, <laughs> you know, maybe some fiction and nonfiction, um, and that you have a lot of overlap in, in your interests. And I believe you have a podcast together, but maybe each of you could do a little more justice and, and let the listeners know about you, what you'd like to share. Okay, do you want to start, Autumn? Sure, make me go first, that's normal, no. Uh, So yes, I'm an author. I did my debut novel, um, which is Epic Fantasy, Born of Water, in 2012, back in the Wild West days of indie publishing. And since then, I've released, uh, I guess I'm on my fourth or fifth series that I'm working on over 20 books. And I have some that are co-written with my husband and some that are co-written with Jesper. So uh, yeah, I've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, Jesper and I teamed up, what was it? Three and a half years ago, I think uh, now. Yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> and so we uh, we are now am writing fantasy, and we help authors with uh, writing, publishing, marketing. We do our podcast, a blog, you know, courses, all those fun things. Plus, we get to talk to each other uh, at least once a week, so it's always good. Cool. <laughs> awesome. And so it's Jesper. Did I hear that? Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm in uh, across the pond, so I'm in <laughs> I'm in Denmark, um, and uh, yeah, I also well, I think it was around 2015, if memory serves me right, that I started writing, um, and I'm I also write fantasy, of course, um, and uh, I don't know, I think between between fiction titles, some of them written together with Autumn, a few of them on my own. And then a fantasy trilogy. I'm, I don't know. I'm probably around ten books or something like that. So, between the two of us, we have quite a lot of books written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they just kind of magically add up over time. It's, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, you start out. I don't know about you. you start out and you hear about people writing forty books, fifty books, hundred books. It's like I haven't written one book. Like, that's, how is that even possible? Yeah. But, yeah. cle- but clearly, you know, you figured it out along the way. And, <laughs> and I'm curious what drew each of you into writing in the first place. Oh, uh, you go ahead on this one. I'll let you go it, first. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I probably have the bit more, well, untraditionally <laughs> way of, <laughs> of answering that question, I guess. Because a lot of the time, at least, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Uh, mm. And a lot of the time when authors are asked that question, they usually answer something like, I've always wanted to write, um, I, or I've written since I was 10 years old, or mm-hmm. something like that. But that was really not the case for me. Uh, I've always liked storytelling. Uh, I've always liked the fantasy genre because of the world building. Um, But I sort of had an idea somewhere in the back of my mind that one day once I retired, then maybe I would write something. Mm. And then I just sort of let it be there and and just thought, well, that's something I could get to one day. Um, And then 
every summer we uh, my, the family and myself we go to uh, Finland to in a summer cottage and when you go there usually you go to the sauna a lot so and i was sitting there in the sauna one evening and then i don't know why i started thinking about it but i started questioning sort of my own decision making and mm. started asking myself why is it that i have it gotten into my head that i should write when i retire why couldn't i just start writing and then of course it might take me long because i have a day job and all kinds of other things to do but why couldn't i just sort of chip away at it and start now mm. and uh then the next morning i got the laptop out and i started writing the most awful stuff that i have ever <laughs> written but uh, but i started and uh i, I didn't i didn't stop since <laughs> And for me, uh, well, I actually always wanted to be an artist, so not an author. And for me, I just, I always wrote, I love stories and loved reading. And I did write short stories on the side, but I was really focused on drawing and painting. And it really took, I was working on my master's degree and my husband happened to find, uh, I often, when I got bored in class, I'd flip to the back of my notebook and uh, start writing there, going from back to front, uh, short stories and just ideas and things. And he found one mm. of my notebooks and said, you wrote this? This is good. And so it was his encouragement that got me writing, taking writing more seriously than artwork. Mm. And I just fell in love with, you know, I always like stories or paintings that hold a picture. And then when you like realize that what you love telling is, you know, these paintings that say, you know, tell a story. And when you realize that writing tells a story a lot better and is a lot more fun that I really got hooked and went on the path to learning, taking some adult ed classes on writing, creative mm. writing and novel publishing, which led to eventually uh, learning how to do indie publishing. Yeah. And so, so wait a minute. So you were you know, bored in class. And, and are you talking about like high school, college? College, master's degree. How? Wait. wait. <laughs> All right. So, so you're in college, master's degree, mm -hmm. you know, either paying out of pocket or having student loans or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. A few tens of thousands. Yes. United you, States. You, yay. <laughs> you were able to write short stories in your notebooks during class. I have the brain of a squirrel and I need to focus on things. Even I can admit this now because I no longer have the uh, day job that um, <laughs> I would be at, you know, yeah, confessions. This is true confessions podcast yeah. that uh, I would be at uh, all employee meetings or um, I ended up in my job. I was, uh, you know, supervising employees. So you, when they call the supervisors together, yeah, and we'd have day long training sessions, and you're supposed oh, those to kill the, those kill the soul, don't they? Oh, don't they? They don't. They're not so bad if you flip to the back of your notebook and start. This is how my first stories. This is how my first novel started within <laughs> yeah. a two day corporate oh. training. <laughs> See, they're secretly incredibly inspiring. In their own way, <laughs> desperately needing escape. So, so I have to ask: Did you graduate? <laughs> yes, yes. That's and it was even a totally. My undergraduate was studying in English, and my yeah. master's is ecology and environmental science. Uh -huh. So, don't even ask how I got a college to take me uh -huh. on with a completely different undergraduate. But yes, I well, got yeah, out that, of there. That happens. Well, diverse <laughs> experiences. That's yeah. great, and. So there must have been something, Jasper, about the vacation in Finland. Was it just having space away from your day-to-day -day life and routine? Like, Yeah, I, I think, honestly, that that is just the case. You know, the, the sort of de-stressing and uh, 
stepping away from the day-to-day -day thing makes me it happens almost every year so every year before i go leave for finland i will usually go for for three weeks mm -hmm. and every year i i tell autumn okay i'm not gonna work <laughs> i'm not gonna do anything i will reply to your email if you want to ask me something but otherwise i'm not gonna do anything mm -hmm. and all more or less every single year i end up sort of in the middle of the vacation i will email her like a long notes for a plot for a new book or something <laughs> <laughs> just like I don't know, it just comes to me every single time, even when I'm not trying. <laughs> so it's... yeah, and that's interesting. It's like that that period of rest like creates yeah. the conditions for for our own. Yeah, so I get to pick creativity. on him. Yeah, yes, I get to pick on him every single summer. Of aren't you supposed to be spending time with your family? <laughs> Stop <laughs> working on this, but that's okay. <laughs> so so Autumn, you mentioned like you're. The day job is in the rearview mirror. Yes. Um, like, so how are you able to be creative then if you're not bored at work or school or <laughs> like, how does this work now? I think, well, it's because again, that I multitask, I not just one thing and mm. not just one interest. So I like to write and edit in the morning. Uh, I like to draw in the afternoons. Mm. I do mentor and coach a lot of other authors. So you're always dancing around their times or looking up their needs or mm -hmm. reading through their books. So it's multitasking, multi-breaks of a day. My husband will ask me, like, how can you be on the computer for, like, 12 hours a day? I'm like, well, I'm doing different things, though, mm -hmm. <laughs> to me. it's, And, you know, you go for a walk and you think about your own stories and things like that. So it's, I am super passionate about what I do. And I also still have some environmental things that I work on and mm -hmm. network with. So, and it's, it shows up in a, as a theme yeah. in some of my novels. So yeah. I think it's just those multi faceted interest taking a break like my favorite current thing to stream is a curiosity stream hmm. and so i'm jumping from like dark matter to mushroom growing <laughs> and it's just you get so many ideas from so many different places hmm. so it sounds like taking breaks like even though you're working all the time you're taking breaks from what you're working on and yeah. maybe that's helping keep yeah, everything so. feel fresh yeah. I get to change gears, even if it's all in the same vein. Yeah. And so, Jesper, or Jesper, gosh, you got to tell me how to say this correctly, by the way. No, you didn't. You were so polite. You didn't correct me before I asked and hit record. No, I, I think in part is because I'm so used to it. Well, in Danish, it is Jesper. Yeah, but uh, but most people don't know how to pronounce it, so I've just sort of gotten used to it. So I don't even correct people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but so, well, I'm gonna self-censor myself. Well, you know, so you so you're Danish, right? And you um, read a lot of fantasy. Did did you growing up read a lot of um, like? United Kingdoms and US centric fantasy or is there also like a wealth of material fantasy material like in your own country and culture well I I mostly read the uh, well basically the American authors but the ones that were translated to Danish uh, when I grew up because when I grew up of course we didn't have the Kindle we didn't have Amazon selling ebooks or anything like that so what I read was what I could get at the library mm. and the library would usually hold you know Danish translations of uh, American titles in fantasy mm. so it'll be uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, uh, Dragonlands, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, main the mainstream fantasy books. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was just, you know, wondering how, like, your own sensibilities, you know, or interests could be shaped by, you know, being, you know, outside of the mainstream culture that the fan that that fantasy came from, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but and I think everybody brings sort of their own mindset, their own view of the world. In even even if you're inside the U.S., I mean, living in one state to another state, you <laughs> you will probably have quite a different view of of, of things and 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 the world uh, even at that. But of course, in my culture as a whole, is is also quite different. So <laughs> so obviously, even though 
I've read and I still do read mainly only, let's say, I think for the most part, American authors. Um, I, I guess also because there is mo most of it is American authors uh, in the fantasy genre. Um, mm. And also quite a lot of the Danish stuff. I prefer not to read in the Danish because because I write in Dan in English as well. I prefer to read in English uh, rather than reading in Danish because I, I sort of it screws up my author mind a bit. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a fair consideration. Um, so why so why fantasy? Well, what is the draw of fantasy? And I you know those questions for both of you. But. Yeah, well, for me it is. I just always loved fantasy. Uh, I think it was really Dragonlance that initially pulled me in when I read that as a, as a I don't know, I've probably been like 12, 13 years old or something. When a friend of mine uh, told me about Dragonlance, I said, you should read this. Uh, I started reading it and I, I just loved it. Uh, and then, then I read more fantasy and more fantasy. And <laughs> I have tried to read other things as well. And it, it's not that I dislike it, uh, but there's just something about the whole other world sort of alternative reality uh the different fantasy races magic stuff like that i, I don't know it, it has always drawn me in so yeah it, it, it's just always been my preference hmm. and i could say the same here i mean when i found fantasy i was actually in junior high school in seventh grade i mean there was always you know the kids stories but when i first found a short story on dragon impression and that was it for me it's like magic and dragons and a different world and i do since i love the natural world i love the descriptions and the adventure of it i've i travel a lot in my life because I love new places and I know love new landscapes and ecology and you get that in the genre very strongly along with adventure and I'm still very much attracted to what's become Noble Bright but as a few authors have pointed out that it's really just like traditional fantasy where the heroes win I love those types of stories where there's a positive despite all the darkness that comes mm. through and that we can take problems that are happening in our world and you can put them into a different place without all the tangles that come with the stuff, all the gunk that comes with our world and maybe unknot them a little bit. I know my perspective, I grew up in uh, rural Pennsylvania, sort of a Bible Belt area, mm -hmm. very traditional. Even my parents, um, my mother was against women's lib for a long time, and I always wondered how they managed to hatch me uh, for everything <laughs> I've done and everything I go and do. And I really don't think I would have been quite the person I am if it hadn't been for fantasy stories to just give me this perspective of you can be whatever you want. I never had that problem as a kid that, you know, if the prince was out saving the day, I wanted to be the prince. I didn't care about the princess. So I could just put myself in their place and go on an adventure and everything would work out. And I'd have great and amazing stories to tell and friends. It's like, sign me up. That is what I want to read. That's what I want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. The, that draw of, mm -hmm. of being able to be whoever you want. And yeah, uh, yeah that sense of magic and something outside the ordinary, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you both co-write. And, yes. and so what is it, what is the difference in experience? Like, I guess, you know, a couple questions and you can answer whatever part resonates, but like one is why co-write and then what's different about co-writing versus solo writing? <laughs> Uh, it's it's quite different to be honest. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess why do it? Well, I, I think there are several different things to it. Uh, one is that once we co-write, I usually it it more or less doesn't matter what we're looking at, whether it's the world building, whether it's the character creation or the plot itself. The outcome always ends up being better than if I do it on my own uh, because the sort of the blind spot I have, Auden can point them out and, and hopefully vice versa so that um, 
the end product just becomes better because we can challenge each other's uh, mindset or our way of creating something or if we miss a plot hole the other one will catch it and so on and so on so for one the end product is just better and stronger uh, and second there is also a sort of a business perspective in it meaning that writing together is just twice as fast as doing it on your own <laughs> because mm. while while I'm uh, writing at the moment, for example, I'm writing draft one uh, or the first draft of book number two in a new series, while Autumn, Autumn is editing book number one in that series, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully once she's done editing, I'll have uh, the first draft of book two ready for her and she could jump straight onto that one and then I move on to book three, right? So we can basically do everything twice as fast, mm. which is... Uh, quite a big draw if you also want to earn some money from your writing <laughs> mm. and i agree it's it's definitely the sum of the part parts it's not one and one is equal to it's you come up with greater worlds greater stories uh yes we tells stories in a way that i don't a different structure different emotions i mm. think it's also the dynamics of male female so we have different perspectives and so adding that together, what we come up with is not something I'd write on my own. It's totally, it's a different voice. It's not his voice. It's not my voice. It's a different type of story, something I wouldn't have written on my own. And so that's mm -hmm. been really kind of neat. I mean, I have written quite a few books on my own and I enjoy it, but it's also really fun to network with someone else. And it, I mean, what author doesn't like talking passionately about what they're working on? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to do that with a co-collaborator, you know, we can get lost, be like, oh, shoot, we only had two hours this week and you have to go to sleep and we have you have work in the morning and darn it, this is so much fun to be able to talk like this and talk about characters and not have someone think you're totally insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a limit to how long our spouses wants to hear about some <laughs> fantasy setting, but when, wow. once we talk to each other, we can just keep on going for hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. And, and I imagine it's not always easy. There may be skills you've each had to develop to to maybe smooth out co-writing or collaboration with others i think we we have been so amazingly fortunate in our teaming up where we almost always come to an agreement without even having to discuss it but we come from different angles mm -hmm. and so like Jesper is amazingly good at marketing and spreadsheets which make me want to run for the hills where i'm <laughs> really good at editing and graphic design and even book formatting and websites so mm. we tend to split the tasks very evenly and even when it came to working on the books together we plot it together we develop the worlds together we develop the characters together but he usually takes the first quick draft the first draft and i get it from that point and fill in the details the plot holes smooth things out add in my bits mm. as well as then do the the first major edit so it just kind of i don't not everyone would probably just fall into it that easy but it's been just about that easy since day one when we teamed up mm. and you're also yeah. you also mentioned co-writing with your husband as well yes that's that's a totally different story because i live with him <laughs> yes for i could be like eh -eh, not working and my husband's i i <laughs> I don't think he'll listen to this podcast and he's not here right now. So I can call him things that I would never say personally, but I always joke that he's my delicate orchid. So he's so sensitive. Mm. And uh, for him, the first time we wrote together, I wrote first and it took him five years, I think, to do his part. So the next time he wanted, he's proposed a book that he wanted to write. I said, you write your part. I don't care if it's word vomit, just get it down. I will fix it and I will add to it. And yeah, he gave me, he gave me word vomit, but yeah. um, it was absolutely, I just, it took me days of cutting and copying and trying to make a logical sense out of it. And it worked though, and he still wants to do another book with me, and we've been married twenty years now, so I guess all is well. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of the keys to 
making collaboration work. And I and I honestly think that collaboration is something we'll see more and more happening mm-hmm. in in the years to come. More and more authors teaming up and 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 writing together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think one of the key aspects of making it work is really that you can't be too precious about your own stuff for one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to accept when the other one says, well, this is not working for me, then you can't make a fight, fight out of it and insist <laughs> that your stuff has to stay. You have to sort of find the middle ground somewhere. And if, if it's important to you, hopefully your uh, collaborating partner will also respect that this is important, but but still find that middle ground somewhere. So I think that's one thing. But the other thing is also just acknowledging where the other one is stronger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just said, okay, I'll trust your guidance on this one and leave it with you and you decide what to do here, right? And 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 vice versa, of course. But you need to sort of understand your own skills and your own strengths and weaknesses and, and then allow the other person to step in where, where you're not at the strongest um, and, and just trust their guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a lot about respecting the person you're working with. You if you just think that you're right and they're wrong, it's not going to work out. And I mean, I, I again, I have it so easy because Jesper hands me something and he literally is like, do what you want. <laughs> and he trusts me to take whatever he's giving me and that I'm going to, I might change things. And I always, I promise to always let him know if it was anything big so that if we're ever, you know, famous and doing a talk show, I'd be like, oh no, no, I took that out of there. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it is good though because we do we've been working with each other for you know three years before we I think we started writing we planned it and started working on it earlier but you know now that we're really in the thick of it we we have a good friendship based yeah and we've worked together we're partners and we can talk to each other very frankly and not get upset and it's good we've worked it all out yeah so you mentioned three hours of I mean three years of kind of collaborating before you started writing is that what I heard yes. Yeah, and was that because you had your own books in progress or other projects or just you did that much world building? Or like, uh, Well, uh, yeah, I, it sort of started with the Am Writing Fantasy brand, which is what hosts our podcast this, as this well. This was your uh, nonfiction kind of? Non- nonfiction, yes. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and that's where we started because we basically started, we wanted to offer uh, courses to authors so we had some courses that we developed together uh, and we started for a while. We tried to run a, a YouTube channel. <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare. We transitioned it into a podcast later on. Yes. But all that nonfiction stuff, we also had a couple of, of books, for example, some guidebooks on how to plot a novel and so on we wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And all of that sort of platform building, getting the podcast running, getting this courses completed and made available for sale and all of that stuff just took a couple of years. And, mm-hmm. and before we knew it, we were like two and a half year down the line and, and we were still, I still was looking at getting back into some fiction writing, but I think for an entire year or a bit more, maybe I didn't do any fiction writing because we just had too many things on our mm-hmm. plate. Um, and Autumn was writing her own stuff sort of, sort of on the side. And when I, when things started clearing up in the horizon there and I was looking ahead, I basically started thinking, why it doesn't make much sense to me to start writing my own stuff and Autumn writing her own stuff. Uh, So we had a conversation because we were building a course on basically from A to Z on how to do fantasy world building. Mm -hmm. And as part of that course, we then decided to build a joint world, basically, so it would host uh, both our fiction. But then down the line there, I can't remember exactly how it went, but I think at some point I suggested to Autumn, why don't we just write the books together rather than both of us writing our own stories in this joint world, because then we, as we just talked about, we should be able to do it twice as fast and hopefully the end product will be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we agreed to do that. And and yeah, then we started. (laughs) So that's quite an evolution and you obviously develop some trust and and common perspectives on Mm -hmm. the genre itself and, and creating it sounds like before you, you know, just jumped into writing books together um, yeah it, it was definitely yeah. a journey it did, it did not happen yeah. out of the blue <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not why we even got in touch and started collaborating we were 
literally starting with just website, blog, YouTube channel, just sort of like, hey, I'm working with authors. You're doing something similar. Do you want to team up? And it's grown into an entire mm -hmm. business and podcast and courses and now nonfiction books and now fantasy books. So how did you, like, how did you meet or connect, like, in the first place to, <laughs> to have that conversation? Was it? He always makes me tell it, so I guess yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, there was an audible silence there. <laughs> that was uh, like, my, my silence waiting for Autumn to speak. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess it is my fault, though. He looked me up. He found me first. We were both on Twitter, and I was doing some fantasy map-making blog posts, and he had just come out with his fantasy map-making book and so i remember it is his fault he he tweeted to me first asking if i would you know take a look at it and maybe do a blog post on it so i did that and you know we stayed mildly in touch and uh just recently i think one less than a year after we started talking and had met each other i actually left my day job um through quite a fun day i i actually put in my two-week notice so that i left on my birthday <laughs> Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to go out, I guess go out in style. I brought my dog to the office, which was highly against rules, but I figured at that point, what are they going to do? And uh, if you're going to cross traveling... a bridge, burn it in dog hair <laughs> first. <laughs> I think they'll still give me a good reference, so we'll have to see. I will never know. <laughs> but yeah, I so my husband and I, when we met, um, the one thing we wanted to do was travel. And mm -hmm. it took us over 16 years to finally save up the money and just finally said, you know, to heck with it, we're doing it. And so we started traveling and things were going well. I just bought the Am Writing Fantasy URL mm -hmm. and I was creating that platform and it was picking up really quickly. And I knew I needed help. And I was actually up at Apukawaska National Park in Canada on a 10 mile hike thinking, I need help. I need a collaborator. Who do I know? Mm. And I thought a yes for and sent him an email and I got back to the campsite. Kind of one of those shy, I always joke, it's like a first date, blind date, kind of like, hey, I have this platform. I kind of know you. You have a YouTube channel. I'm not doing that. Ever thought about doing, you know, a website and courses and blah, blah, blah. We could help each other. Mm. And yeah, he came back with a sounds nice but what if you know what if we did a business and um came up with a great business plan and ideas and that's where it's, we've just fit each other's niches really well that's great and it doesn't really sound like a short game you know no it's been a long <laughs> game from the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh i i think one of the probably good things we did in the beginning, which I, I guess if somebody listening would think about finding somebody to team up with as well is, is a good idea, was that already way, way up front, we had a video meeting where I sort of just laid my cards on the table and saying, okay, Autumn, this is what I want to do. And this is my goal for things. Mm. And uh, then, of course, Autumn shared hers. And we tried to see, do we even have an overlap on what we're trying to achieve long term? Mm. Because if we don't, then this whole thing would not make sense to start embarking on. But luckily enough, I mean, we wanted the same thing long term. Yeah. So then we had a good foundation to build on. But But I think just that you know it sounds simple but but just that sort of uh let's align on each other's uh, goals and and motivations mm -hmm. uh, up front is really really helpful and and yeah. it can probably avoid some bad experiences down the line once like one and a half year later you figure out that the other yeah. one is in it for something well, other that, than you that could, that could be vulnerable though right like you know and i think about as I get older, it's easier to just like start from a place of vulnerability and maybe mm. maturity and there's some life lessons along the way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know, in the beginning it may be like, gosh, you know, I just it's like dating, right? Like I just really <laughs> want to have a co writer or I wanna have a collaborator in this business and they're gonna tell me no if like, like I just come with all these stipulations up front, right? <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's more about sharing why is it that you want that, right? Yeah. Uh, 
That that could be because you feel like I just want to write some stories and I'm not good at editing, so I want somebody who's good at that, for instance. But it could also be the more commercial side, like I want this to grow into a profitable business where I sell a lot of books. You know, there's nothing wrong with either or. Both of those goals are absolutely fine, but they are very, very different. And if you're coming into this collaboration with two different perspectives in mind, then those are going to collide some some point down the line when one mm-hmm. wants to be uh, autistic and write wonderful books and the other one wants to earn money. Then you've got a <laughs> headbutt at some point then. Yeah, or, or somebody, you know, has another project that they'd really rather be doing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Autumn, you, you have a lot of clients it sounds like or you've had a lot of experience including maybe your husband <laughs> as an informal <laughs> client like yeah <laughs> definitely he's definitely a, a I, I treat him very well as um he's my number one client <laughs> so like what are the most common things that come up that are coming up as obstacles for people whether it's getting started or you know whatever it is I, yeah, it's. I think it's amazing how many authors pick up um, writing and don't understand developing like a plot and even talking about how to talk about point of view and not head hop. Like, why is head hopping an issue mm-hmm. if you're writing in third person? So there's a lot of those basic conversations, uh, I have to admit. And I learn so much more sometimes by talking to novice authors. I just had my first uh, author I worked with who wrote on first and present tense. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a thing. I didn't realize this was a thing. And then, you know, I got to <laughs> read all about authors who write in present tense and which genres use it and why it works or why it doesn't. So mm-hmm. it is, it's fun because it's sort of like, you know, listening to podcasts, but you get to answer real world questions and go look things up. But mm-hmm. I definitely think if anyone's looking into writing, again, it's just amazing how many people just have an idea and they're passionate and they write, even if it's something small, like 5,000 to 10,000 words, and then they ask for a coach or look for someone editing and content editing. And I look at it and like, wow, you know, where's your, you know, your climax? Where's your inciting incident? You know, yeah. How do you do dialogue? Why are you jumping into like five different characters heads in like three paragraphs? We're going to talk about these things. Um, I often wonder, I've met also a lot of authors who have started off on a book and a genre that they don't read in and they mm-hmm. don't know the big tropes. And I'm like, wow, that's brave. Um, why, why do you let's think back that, up. Why do you think that is? What, I, why start with writing? I really don't know. I think it's, um, it's I have a just guess. maybe they have an interest. I, I, what's your guess, Jesper? Well, I think... Because what we see as well with the Am Writing Fantasy podcast and also the courses that we're selling, a lot of the time when somebody comes to us, it is often because they have burnt their hands on something already, meaning that (laughs) I think a lot of people have a perception that telling a story, that's easy. I know how to write. You know, I can write a story. And then they start and they don't quite spent the time actually educating themselves about what does a good story contain and what makes a story work mm. how do why do why do readers actually care about characters what does it take to make them care um and of course the genre tropes and and the different stuff that autumn just mentioned but i i think people just believe initially that writing is easy then they just jump into it then they figure out oh okay this is much much <laughs> harder than i thought yeah and only then do they start going back and trying to figure out okay who 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 can i contact or what can i read which yeah. podcast can i listen to to educate myself well that's probably um, the exceptional case though for, i think most people give up and then go oh yeah yeah well maybe i'll try it when i retire like this this true yeah i mean and of course those those are the only ones we see are the ones who did not give up Uh, i'm sure that there's a ton more who who just gave up yeah for sure yeah yeah Yeah. because like if you think about like all that stuff like that's not how a kid starts right like playing right and you're not like hey i've got to worry about all these commercial constraints and i've got to worry about it connecting with anybody other than myself right right there's that sense of play so like like how do you preserve 
that sense of play when you're so early in that process where everything is could be potentially overwhelming like there's so much to figure out before i can like sell a story and even to be the perspective you know keeping things realistic of how many stories will you sell for your first book but to me it is always focusing on remembering what it is what is the passion what brought you to writing Mm. and it is i always remember i had a calculus teacher in college and he loved calculus i mean just (laughs) oozed calculus and he would get me so excited darn him i actually got an a in calculus and i have to i like math but i was a studio art major and i got an a in calculus because he loved it and i think when you work with people Mm -hmm. who do love it who remember why you love it i have Mm -hmm. such a strong memory of when i uploaded my first book to amazon and the thrill of that first sale and even just looking at it on my kdp dashboard and it's like sitting there all by itself with all this empty space below it going someday (laughs) someday i will fill that and doing it yeah yeah just working with each new author hearing their excitement makes me excited which makes them excited and it's just a positive feedback loop so even when you sit down and say hey this needs work also saying you're doing so well and this is so exciting and i cannot wait to see this you know this that chill when it's actually up there on amazon and you get your first review and i cannot wait for those things Gasper, mm-hmm. what were what was some of the most exciting early moments for you with writing i think i was very very excited about that first story that didn't didn't ever go anywhere (laughs) because i i don't know i i think it's just a whole thing about telling a story that i really like um and i i think for me as well i've had to teach myself like many others also need to teach themselves or have already taught themselves is to not get too dazzled and about new great ideas uh, in the middle of something else because I, I think yeah it, unfortunately <laughs> it happens to all of us but uh, yeah the, the the art of or the skill of keep sticking to it until you reach the end it, it's actually more important than most people think <laughs> yeah you know structure i suppose makes that easier but you know nothing like having a commitment to a co-writer i imagine <laughs> yeah that, that keep helps you honest too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i always feel like i'm behind because the editing is always being still new to our f- it was easier with the nonfiction because i mean it's like you know it's not hard to edit nonfiction, but this is much more in depth and adding in layers and mm. and other things and i feel like i'm always so far behind where i want to be in my editing of book one but i keep going and i, I see Jesper hasn't yelled at me yet so we're good <laughs> <laughs> what's the draw of editing oh um i like honing things i think i just like I do it. Jesper thinks I'm crazy, which is fair enough. I like doing (laughs) these multi-level passes where you, I usually do a quick read through and make a lot of notes of a content edit. And then I go back through and I fix the major things and then I fix the minor things. And then I do uh, edit with uh, like a software, like pro writing aid. Mm -hmm. And then I'll send it off to the editor. And I just like seeing something go from, you know, my original notes of, Oh my gosh, what were you thinking? I'm so harsh to myself and my, notes i never want anyone else to read them i will pull stuff apart and be like no 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 and you know, go fix this and add in these senses and then to see the final one and be like yeah yeah that is pretty darn. i'm impressed with that now so i yeah. do like just seeing that refinement come out i think it's the same as since i am a visual artist as well you know there's always a moment in a painting where you're thinking this is crap it looks like crap and it's total leap of faith to keep going saying i'm gonna make something of this and i think editing is the exact same thing there's a moment it's a leap Mm. of faith saying this is going somewhere and it will be fine and getting it there is wonderful yeah that's probably a good analogy actually the painting because if you're impatient and you just want it all to be there right away on the first go like it just doesn't work that way right no 
there's a few artists that, you know, if you want to be um, Bob Ross, he could always whip out a masterpiece on one go. But right. not all of us are Bob right. Ross. Yeah. Right. Yes. You ever heard of the Renaissance painter, one go? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so what are you working on now? Oh, I'll let you describe our wonderful world of Elysium that we came up with. Yeah, so we built a very comprehensive world on purpose, meaning that we made it very, very big <laughs> with multiple <laughs> different realms in it so that it can it can host uh, hopefully a multitude of stories if mm -hmm. we continue writing in that setting for 20 years or whatever then uh, <laughs> it, there'll be enough space to that we can keep telling stories in, in that setting so uh, we are currently working on the first trilogy in that setting um, mm. we have written and also released a first short story um, that Great. people can get from amreadingfantasy.com um, but then that's sort of a prelude to the actual trilogy that we, we're currently working on. So that's pretty exciting. And we already have ideas for, for the next trilogy after that. So that's uh, sort of a, not getting uh, <laughs> tempted to jump ship and into that one instead. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we try to keep uh, keep the nose in the trail here and uh, and getting the first trilogy finished as fast as we can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How much world building do you need before you get going? Do you do like art or like other things? Like how do you, how do you, what, what does it mean to be a comprehensive world building? Um, well, actually you, you, in our case, it's a bit different because we, as I said a bit earlier, we built our world while we were doing a, a to say a to set course on how to build the world basically mm -hmm. so we we ended up building a million things because we needed to as part of the course show examples of how we did it um so mm -hmm. that meant that we built a ton more than what we would have done if we didn't do it as part of a, a course so it took probably one and a half year or something like that. Yeah, that I was because so. we were both building and recording a course at the same time. Mm -hmm, so it, mm -hmm. that made it take a very, very long time. But I, I think we could probably do it in in a month month time uh, or something like that if, if we only focused on that um, or maybe even a bit less. Yeah. We also have quite some artwork done for mm -hmm. the World of Elysium. Which is not something we necessarily needed either as such, but uh, there was a few pieces of artwork we wanted to have created to use as part of the uh, marketing and so on. And and then we found a really good artist and then we thought, well, let's do some more. <laughs> so we ended up ordering probably four times as much as we initially intended. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a nice luxury to have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. But I think, uh, you know, comprehensive world, it's also partially because we are co-writing. So we needed to really know the specifics and the distances. Mm. And that way, if we both have different, you know, if we had different views and he writes one thing and then I go in and I edit in other things, it's it wouldn't work out. So we need to have some very specific ideas yeah. and concrete worlds. You know, when I write by myself, I will sometimes... Uh, have a kind of a loose world and realize that I have to like stop either writing or have to go back at, at when I edit and add in more details. Yeah. Yeah. And to just jump into the frying pan constantly in my life. So yes, we're making sure that I like test the waters first and we get in there, get it going <laughs> well so that I'm not constantly, um, you know, running forward when I, and then circling back and wasting a lot of time. Yeah. So how, where do you, how do you do you, how do you, maintain you have like a world bible or something like how do how, how do you make this work for you in a way that's like accessible <laughs> and you can find what you need and yeah well right now it's not too accessible <laughs> meaning that uh, right now it actually sits in a word document which is a yeah. bit annoying uh, but yeah. the idea is that we want to 
Control the, F works, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. well, yeah, but it's still a bit annoying to go yeah, through yeah. the Word document. But the, the idea is really we want to put it on the M reading fantasy webs, website so that it basically becomes like a wiki and you can click around on the website and so mm -hmm. on. So that, that's the idea. But we haven't gotten that far yet since we haven't actually released the first trilogy yet. But I would say within the next year or so, then amreadingfantasy.com will be fully populated with a nice wiki and nice artwork and all kinds of things yeah. so and it kind of waits on me since some i'm also the web builder so i depends on where where the priority of the project is so that one's i love mm. website building so i i want to do that one but really i need to finish editing this book and then i have to finish editing the final book that i wrote by myself and was a series i've been releasing so i have two books on my plate to edit uh right now okay you, know, you, me you, you mentioned <laughs> just the the most fun word ever um, oh, no. <laughs> which was priority yeah, yeah. and so like how how you've got all these things going on that's the virtue of multitasking autumn like how, like how do you prioritize your work like, what are you thinking about when you <laughs> when I make my schedule? Uh -huh. I try to be fair and I give him writing fantasy or my writing. I make sure, especially I think most authors have this problem uh, when you have a day job and family and hobbies mm -hmm. that you don't give yourself any time. So I've tried to be better at giving myself time and it used to be my writing time but now it's become you know the i'm writing fantasy writing time though like i said i have to finish up my own book so mm. i make sure there's a little bit of time usually the first thing in the morning that that happens and i hit a goal and then i do have client work coaching work uh, my what i do you know i've got to be responsible for my share of paying the mortgage and all of those things so i have to make money Mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. Even, you know, the books, you know, they only sell, don't sell themselves anymore, unfortunately. So you got to always market and do things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I make sure that, you know, that works. I have just when I was writing, I would always set weekly, weekly writing goals uh, that could adjust depending on my week. And I do the same thing now. I keep a register of things that are due, when they're due, what promises I've made to clients, what their timelines are. And try not to panic if things get, you know, shoved around more than I expected or something big comes up. So there's always those days I try not to work every day of the week or on the mm. weekends because sometimes my own stuff gets pushed to the weekends. And I have to remember that I like hiking and I like spending time with my husband and my dog. So <laughs> I make sure I get out and do things like that, too. I think if anyone, and Jesper has oddly read this book, too, of course, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That is a fantastic book. Mm. And there's a whole section in there about setting scheduling time aside based on the roles you have in your life, like daughter, mm writer author you know wife whatever you are and making sure you put in time for all yeah. of those things yeah. Yeah. and so yeah so now i do my i make sure i have a weekly phone call with my mom and we mm. do daily ever since covid we talk daily you know through messaging apps now which is kind of cute we used to not go we'd go days without like sending each other texts and now it's just like good morning how are you and we still haven't gotten out of the habit so <laughs> it's kind of sweet that's cool. It's a nice thing to carry over. Yeah. COVID. You know, I've got I've got a little pro tip since I don't plan to go go back to the day job either. Oh. You know, um, I you know scheduling in self time into the calendar yes. in the day job calendar is mm. great. You don't have to you don't have to tell people I, like like hey, <laughs> I'm going to schedule in two hours of personal development or self development go. time, right? And yes. Just do whatever the heck I need to do. Right? Like Yes. Or the <laughs> other secret of always if something you think will take an hour, make it write down an hour and a half. So you have, you know, a few moments right. in there where right. you don't feel rushed. Or 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 if you hate four o'clock meetings and then you always go home in a bad mood and can't write mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Just schedule stuff in at four o'clock. People can book you, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Always a pro tip. That is a good one. Yes. <laughs> yes, Bert, you seem to have a lot of irons in the fire as well. So how are you handling you know, like managing your time? What are you thinking yeah, about? 
<laughs> I probably have too many <laughs> to be, because I, I'm not very good, to be honest, at scheduling the sort of me time. And so I'm uh, very honest. I, I probably work too much um, and I keep going for hours and hours and hours. Uh, but at least what I try in terms of prioritizing is that uh, I try to do the most important thing first in the morning. And that's, that's the writing part. So I always try to get in my writing first thing when I start the morning, because then the rest of the day, uh, I sort of have a clean conscience with myself because I know <laughs> I got the important stuff done. Um, and also, at least for me, I, and I think it works like that for a lot of people, I, I have figured out as well that later in the day, when I don't have as much energy and I'm a bit tired, you know, the the sort of the business things, the marketing or advertising stuff, I can, mm. I can do that even with an eye closed. <laughs> That's not a problem at all. But the writing, the creative stuff, I really have to be fresh in my mind in order to do that. So yeah, so that's how it works for me. Yeah, but I work too much to be honest. So yeah. <laughs> well, well, what does that mean? I suppose is the question. You don't have to answer that, but what does it mean to work too much? Like. I assume there's a trade-off or, you know, uh, you know, perhaps a thought of an unmet need there. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I, uh, I probably work like, I don't know, 12 hours a day, probably. You sound like and, an American, Jasper. <laughs> yeah, and it's not common in my part of the world either. I mean, <laughs> it's all uh, that but, fantasy you read growing up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then I also I also referee soccer. So in the ah. weekend, I'm off, often out refereeing as well, which is of course a bit of me time in a sense, but it's yeah. also work at the same time. So, <laughs> so it happens sometimes. Like Sunday afternoon, I'm just like. I'm not leaving this couch. <laughs> mm -hmm. A little rest is good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so is where can listeners find you? Is a good oh, question. Always easy. The best way to find us is just go to Am Writing Fantasy. Or if you do want to check out our fiction, um, go to Am Reading Fantasy. <laughs> Ah, you have am, am writing and am reading. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. clever that way. <laughs> We're pretty crafty like that. <laughs> but since this is a podcast, and of course the easiest thing is just to search for am writing fantasy in your podcast app, and then you'll find yeah. us. Yes. That's true. Um, yes. So you have links to everything from, it looks like from amwritingfantasy.com, including to your personal sites and everything. Yes. Yeah, you can find everything there, yes. Great. That's always helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we tried to think that through, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, since fantasy and your reading and writing, like, um, <laughs> maybe a good final question for both of you is what's like, you know, is there some favorite thing you've read or watched in the last year that you're really excited to share about? Uh, I can share. I've just watched, uh, I just finished up actually watching American Gods on Amazon Prime. Mm. Uh, and I really, really like that series. <laughs> I must admit the only sad thing was that I figured out that it looks like there should have been more and they sort of stopped the series because oh, wow. it doesn't really conclude at the end of the last season as such. It's, Did you it read more the seems book? Like, no, no, I haven't. But I've started, I've started thinking that I should read the book now because uh, I really liked that series. It was very well done. Mm. And I've watched recently the yin-yang um, Masters, there's mm. two movies, uh, both produced. One of them China. is really bad. <laughs> yeah, one oh, of them. I saw is that really that bad. it appeared to be two different movies with the same title and like yes. potentially meta. Like it's actually Yin and Yang. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's one that's like the Eternal something. That's the bad one. The one that's just Yin Yang Masters is incredibly well done for the cgi and for the plotting that there's the climax which i will not do any spoilers but the climax where the hero is he's in a spot that i'm like darn i, I don't see the way out mm. and the way it resolves itself I'm like 
that's perfect. It makes sense. I never saw that coming. And that's mm. exactly what you want as an author. So if anyone wants some to legitimate see a, surprise, a legitimate yeah. surprise by someone who's written over 20 books and who coaches other authors, I was like, I did never saw that one. That was brilliant. Oh, was it a first act solution if you go back and deconstruct it or, or a different form? Because the writing forms can be different in different parts of the world. Yeah, I would see, I don't usually use the act structure. I use the seven steps of story structure. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, I will say that there is one of those ones when it happens, you realize there's been foreshadowing for it the whole time that you never hmm. saw. It mm -hmm. was just, it made perfect logical sense, but you never realized it was going to work out that way. Fantastic. Well, Autumn, Jesper, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure being here. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you, Ethan. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.